Hey y'all, welcome back to Eco Chic. You're listening to episode 84. My name is Laura Diaz. I'm really, really happy to have you here. Eco Chic is a podcast all about practical science and sustainability. If you're a new listener, welcome. Don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode of Eco Chic in the future. And if you're a returning listener, I am so happy to have you here. It has been such an exciting week for Eco Chic. As you may know, last Tuesday's episode was focused on the launch of Totally Eco Chic, our sister brand for sustainability supplies and podcast merch. And then on Friday, we talked a little bit about conscious consumerism in a really fun little like bite-sized bonus episode focused on Black Friday and Cyber Monday. And And today we are switching gears a little bit to focus more on climate and sustainability from a political perspective, in a sense. I am really, really excited today to share a conversation with you with Claudia LaRue. Claudia is the first secretary to the Dominican Republic mission of the United Nations. I am pumped about this conversation with Claudia because I've never spoken to a diplomat before, so it was really interesting to hear a little bit about what a diplomat actually does, what the United Nations is doing as a whole, working towards sustainable development, and I also feel like it's a really important conversation to introduce us to the sustainable development goals. Essentially, Claudia breaks down that there is 193 member states or countries in the United Nations, and there is a very clear idea of what they want the future of the global economy to look like and what they want all of the countries to really be working towards as a whole, as a collective community. And I think that this is a really fun conversation because we talk about a lot of things beyond climate change. We talk about environmental goals, of course, but we also talk about things like the eradication of poverty. We talk about hunger. We talk about conscious consumption of goods and services on a national level and really like what it looks like for policy and countries to be working towards a larger goal to benefit the entire planet. So we give a little bit of a history on the United Nations, what goals have been in the past, what we're looking forward to in the future. And I'm really excited to also share Claudia's story of how she got into working for the United Nations, how she became a diplomat. She has a really interesting roundabout career path And her story lends itself nicely to another topic we speak on, just the idea that there is a place for everyone to identify their passions and their strengths, and every sector really does have to step up when we're talking about sustainable development and when we're talking about working on the climate crisis. So this is absolutely a conversation that is encouraging us to all get together in our particular industries, in our particular passions and strengths, and figure out how we can help each other better accomplish our goals when it comes to sustainability, climate change, but also humanitarian issues, again, like poverty and hunger. And Claudia gets much more into some resources and some things that you can better educate yourself on. This is the first time that we're speaking about sustainable development goals here on Eco Chic, and I'm really excited to be doing so because I feel like I'm hearing more and more about them in media, on the news, whatever it may be. Because, again, it really is the global effort for working towards climate goals. And I also want to give a little bit of a background as to how Claudia and I met because I think it's really, like, modern and something that maybe you all could benefit from doing also. I personally don't have any connections to any United Nations diplomats. It was really such a dream and such an honor to speak with Claudia about these really pertinent political conversations going on right now, but I don't have any ties to the United Nations. 
Claudia and I actually met on the Girl Boss Network. So if you are a young professional, specifically a young woman, I would really encourage you to check out the Girl Boss website. This is not like a plug in any sense, but it is a networking platform actually put together by Sophia Amoruso of Nasty Gal. Maybe you're familiar with her and her show on Netflix was called Girl Boss. And Girl Boss is a website that you can kind of like join these collectives of things that you're interested in. So mine are like sustainability, the city that I live in, maybe podcasts is one, things like that. So you kind of join these collective groups and there are other women in those groups where you can ask questions, you can ask for advice, you can look for networking opportunities, there are job postings there, and it's just a really great place for young women to get together in a really like modern, casual setting when it comes to accomplishing goals, career goals, academic goals, whatever it may be. So if there's anyone out there who is looking for a space to connect with like-minded professionals and like-minded individuals in your space, I would totally recommend the Girl Boss Network. That's how I found Claudia. And with that, again, I am so thankful to have had this conversation. And it's really a conversation that got me like riled up when I was done with it. You know, when you have like a really good talk with someone and you just get excited for the rest of your day, you're like, wow, like I'm on top of the world. I feel so educated. I feel so empowered. And that's really what this talk with Claudia did for me. So I hope you really enjoy it. If you do enjoy this episode, please, on the Apple Podcast app, leave me a rating and a review. I so appreciate it. I love reading your thoughts on the podcast, and I love reading your feedback of what you want to hear more of, and it's a really exciting way to connect with y'all. And you can also chat with me. I'm always trying to talk to you on Instagram. That's the easiest place to get in touch, at Podcast, or my personal page is also always linked in the show notes. It's at Laura E. Diaz. And if you would like to check out Totally Eco Chic, like I said, we talked a little bit about it on last Tuesday's episode, but you can find the website totallyecochic.com and we're also on Instagram there. And with that, here is our conversation with Claudia LaRue of the United Nations. Claudia, I'm really, really excited about this conversation. I want us to just like dive right in. I want you to just introduce yourself to the audience and tell us a little bit about yourself. Thank you. Thank you, Laura, for having me in your wonderful podcast. So my name is Claudia LaRue. I live in New York City, and I work as first secretary to the Dominican Republic mission to the United Nations. So if we pretend that the United Nations is a country, then I would be a diplomat to that country. Got it. That's a really good overview, and I'm really glad that you gave that metaphor, because I would also love to talk about the United Nations. Like, what does the United Nations actually do? That's a very good question. Actually, when I started working at the UN in 2011, I really had no idea about the work of the institution and what it did. The UN is called a multilateral organization. Multilateral meaning that it has many sides. And it is also an intergovernmental institution. It is composed of 193 countries or member states as we call them. The UN was founded after World War II to stop World War III from happening in the first place. So basically, its mission is to promote peace and security in the world. And that's what it has been doing since after World War II. Ooh, okay. Thank you so much for that really good little history lesson. I didn't realize that the United Nations was such a young organization, essentially, that it started after World War II. So I'm really glad that you told us that. And before we get too into your work, I would also love to just hear a little bit about like how you got to where you are. Like, how does someone go to be a first secretary at the United Nations? 
That's a very good question, Laura. And I think that I am the kind of person that took not a wrong turn, but a different route. Most diplomats go and study international relations, public policy, economics, that kind of thing. I went to business school. I'm a business major and I have a master's degree in marketing. So really, diplomacy was not on my radar until it was brought to my attention. When I moved to the U.S. from the DR, I was trying to find employment and my CV came into the hands of the acting permanent representative to the U.N. from the DR. And he said, I, I like this woman's CV. I like this woman's experience. Uh, she has experience working on the ground. She has international experience. She knows how to deal with different audiences. She would be great to join the team. And that's what happened, basically. So it was not planned, but it did happen, and I'm very glad it did. Oh, wow. That's so fortuitous. I feel like that's such a dream to like, have your CV kind of land with someone that can really help shape your career. That's such a cool little story and a cool route. Yeah, and it's, and it's a different route from what most people do, but it, it has worked. It, so far, it has worked very well. <laughs> I feel like it has clearly worked very, very well. So I would love to talk a little bit now about your work. Tell me a little bit about like what your day-to-day -day is and where your passions really lie. Day-to-day, -day, it's hard to say. It's not a mechanical job. Basically, if you want to call me something, you can call me a negotiator. So what my job is, basically, I try to influence and make sure that the political positions of the Dominican Republic are exposed and that they make their way into documents, resolutions, and that they are being heard and taken into account. They, basically, that's what a diplomat does, working on resolutions, writing up reports, talking to people, going to meetings, knowing what's going on, making sure every forum is relevant, and just following my instructions because the military service, diplomats also work uh, based on instructions. And I cannot do anything that I have not been instructed to do by my capital. So there is a hierarchy and there's a lot of accountability and it's pretty strict that way, but also very structured. Got it. Wow. Thank you so much for that because I always kind of wondered what a diplomat does on the day-to-day, -day, but I guess it's really nice to hear that it's not mechanical. You know, you do something different every day and I feel like it really speaks to the idea that you are actively working on policy and actively negotiating and just growing with your organization and with your team and your country. And I think that's just a really good overview of like what a diplomat truly does. And with that, I would also love to talk a little bit about these issues that you are negotiating with sustainability. I would love to talk to you a little bit about sustainable development goals. Before we start talking about the SDGs, we should first focus a little bit on the MDGs. Okay, tell me about the MDGs. Those are the Millennium Development Goals. They came into effect in the year 2000. And by the year 2015, we were supposed, for example, to eradicate poverty. Do you think, Laura, that we eradicated poverty in 2015? Definitely not. Definitely not. Do you think that we solved all the problem when it comes to the environment, environmental issues? Oh, absolutely not. Exactly. Exactly. Yikes. Mm -hmm. So a bunch of countries, specifically Colombia, Peru, and Guatemala, 
came up with the idea of the Sustainable Development Goals to finish the work that the MDGs had not done. Um, Got it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the MDGs created like a new global partnership to reduce extreme poverty, and it set out uh, a series of eight goals. And, you know, it was a good effort, and it did produce the most successful anti-poverty movement in history. For example, since 1990, the number of people living in extreme poverty has declined by more than half. The proportion of undernourished people in the developing regions has fallen by almost half. So we have made strides, but there's a lot of unfinished business. In 2012, there was this major meeting called Rio Plus 20, and I was there. And there, the countries that were represented decided to come up with the Sustainable Development Goals. But you should know that the SDGs are embodied in something called the 2030 Agenda for Sustainable Development, which is a lot broader than just the SDGs, although the SDGs are an integral part of it. Is that kind of easy to understand or does that make sense? Yes. So from what I understand, starting from the very back, so you have this big overarching Millennium Development Goals, and that had to do with a lot of different sectors, and the environment was one of those concern areas that they had. And then when those were not met, the Millennium Development Goals, they adopted a new overarching plan, 2030 Agenda for Sustainable Development. Is that correct? That is exactly right. That is exactly right. And this time, Laura, we cannot fail. We have no option here. We have no option here. Exactly. Because this is going to be over in 2030. Not the world, but at least the agenda. And to say we have all the resources, we have the money. The money is there to eradicate poverty and hunger and fix the planet. It's just that we need more political will and more efforts by all sectors of society to be able to accomplish this. Interesting. And can you tell me a little bit more about the sustainable development goals? Are these broken up into other sectors as well? Like, are we talking like water, energy, things like that? Like, how are the sustainable development goals structured? What are they trying to accomplish? So basically, this agenda and the goals are making a historic pledge to end poverty everywhere permanently. And the agenda will guide policy and funding for the next 15 years. The SDGs are 17 goals. They have 169 targets and 232 indicators. So we have the first goal, which is the eradication of poverty. Our second goal is elimination of hunger and so forth and so on. Gender, climate change. And goal 16 is, for example, creating just and peaceful societies. And goal 17, global partnership for development which means that all countries and sectors need to be involved and work together so that the goals are achieved and the agenda is realized. So yes, we have a lot more goals because the MDGs were eight and the SDGs are 17. And why is that? And, and, and it's very interesting. The MDGs were basically geared towards developing countries. So countries in the North that had no poverty, had eliminated hunger, they could just sit back and said, you know, we're done. There's not, nothing else for us to do. We abide by all the environmental conventions. We are doing this, we're doing that. There's nothing left for us to do. But with the SDGs, it's different. The agenda involves everybody, every country, north, south, rich, poor. It doesn't matter. It also involves civil society. It involves academia. It involves the private sector. It involves young people. It involves everyone. For example, and I'll give you an example of a goal. 
there's a goal called sustainable consumption and production. You can be sure that that involves everybody. Every country that produces goods, that buys goods, that sells goods and services is affected by this and by the targets and, and indicators and by the frameworks that the United Nations has on these topics. So it's something a lot more comprehensive and a lot more inclusive. Interesting. That is such a good example. Thank you so much for giving that. Because when I think about sustainable consumption, it's so easy for me, you know, as a young person in the United States to think about, you know, maybe I just need to buy less plastic or whatever. So consumption on an individual level is very different from consumption on like a nationwide scale, on an international scale. The idea that we want to be more mindful with the goods and services that we are supporting as an entire economy. I think that's such a cool example goal to give. And, and also think of the value chain. Where are we sourcing our products from? Are we paying farmers um, what they should be paid? Fair trade? All this is, has to do with sustainable consumption and production. And of course, we must remember that the goals are interlinked. Right. So the idea that you can't really, I always like to say like the environment or any of your opportunities or any of your actions doesn't operate in a vacuum. Everything is very connected in some capacity back to the environment, to the economy. Everything is really much more connected than people realize. Exactly. And all goals are connected. Since this is a radio program, I can't show you uh, the diagrams that people have built showing the interlinkages between the goals. But I can assure you, it looks like the craziest spider because everything is connected. For example, something very simple. A poor person, a person that lives in poverty, is automatically a person who suffers from hunger. So it's very hard to divide those two goals, for example. We say that one and two go together, even though they are separate, but they are also a little bit indistinguishable. I'm really glad that you brought up that point because that also makes me wonder what are some of the things that are very directly tied in these goals to climate change, let's say. And that is a very, very good question. And I will give you a little bit of background info. The issue of climate change is so important and was so important when this agenda was being negotiated that we even thought of having the climate issue present in each of the goals, like the climate perspective, for example, eradication of poverty. Okay, how does climate change play in that goal? But in the end, since the issue of climate is so important, we decided to have a separate goal dedicated to it. I see exactly what you're saying. And I'm actually really glad that we're talking about this because as you are explaining how climate change is so linked to these things, how poverty is so linked to everything, how hunger, all of these issues are really well connected in the way that you explain them, not to go too far off, but thinking about current events, thinking about what's being proposed now is the Green New Deal. There is a lot of discussion around the idea that like maybe the Green New Deal should just be around environmental issues and not tied to so many humanitarian issues. And I see kind of both sides of the argument. I don't really know where I personally fall on it, but I think it's really interesting to think that you really can't separate humanitarian issues from environmental issues. That, that's a very good point, Laura. We say that the agenda focuses on the three dimensions of sustainable development, the social, the economic, and the environmental. You cannot separate the three. Before, we used to call them pillars, but a pillar is something that is siloed, very separate. Dimensions cross one another. They are more organic. And that's why we refer to sustainable development as the three dimensions. 
Ooh, thank you so much for explaining that. That's actually a great way to think about it because I have also heard a lot of discussions of environmental concerns as pillars. And I think that the IPCC does discuss pillars of concern as well. And a lot of other environmental organizations do. But the idea of dimensions really makes sense because yes, everything is crossing each other. And that also makes me think about the way that we are marketed certain ideas, the idea that we have to normalize discussing these issues as dimensions and not as pillars. And you said that you have a graduate degree in marketing. So I have to think about like the way that we're talking about climate change and the way that we're talking about environmental issues. What do you see as some of the concerns around the way that we're framing these conversations? Well, to be honest, I think that a lot of good work is being done What really concerns me, even though it's important to have different people working on different things, I don't see too much of a consistent approach. I think that is what worries me a little bit. I like the idea of the SDGs because we are all aiming towards a common objective. So if we have a common plan, then we know where we're going. So I think that what concerns me a lot is that, you know, there's a lot of initiatives going on, different things going on, but that there is a lack of coherence maybe in what's going on. Does that make any sense? Yes, absolutely. And I appreciate you saying that because the idea of a lack of coherence is really concerning because if we're going to conquer any sort of climate concern, environmental concern, whatever dimension we're operating in, it really does have to be an entire movement. It has to be like a societal backing to whatever goal it is we're working towards. So it's also really helpful to think about all of these policies and all of these goals as a roadmap to getting to wherever it is we ultimately want to be with our planet. Exactly. And that's what the agenda is. It is a roadmap. And remember, it was adopted by all 193 member states of the United Nations. So everybody is on board. Yes, absolutely. I think that's a really good reminder for people. Everyone is on board. There isn't really disdain or anyone that's holding back or failing to acknowledge that we have a giant problem on our hands when it comes to climate and when it comes to sustainable development. I also think that the more that we talk about these humanitarian issues that are so deeply tied to environmental concerns, the more we can really get done. Like once you start making those connections and putting people in a place to make big strides across these areas, that's really when you're going to see progress. Exactly. And remember that we can hold our governments accountable because they, they signed off on this. So it's important to know the agenda, to know what the goals are, to know what the targets are and the indicators, to have an idea, because then you can hold your legislators accountable and your leaders accountable. We're all on board. Yes, yes. Maybe, can you tell us a little bit about like something that's going on right now that we can be looking out for or something that we should be holding our governments accountable for, or maybe like some cool developments that have recently come out, anything like current event type going on with the SDGs? I think that the thing that we need to focus on is that we only have 10 more years to make it. The urgency of the matter is the most current matter. Actually, there is something at the UN called the High-Level Political Forum, and it is basically a meeting that takes place every summer, and we sit down and we discuss how we are going with the agenda. 
Well, for the next 10 years, the theme will be how can we accelerate change? Because frankly, Laura, and I shouldn't be saying this, but I will, at the rate we are going, we are not going to make it. Yeah, that is the most current discussion and it is the most urgent discussion. Yeah, I appreciate you saying that because I feel like in the space that I'm in, in the space that you're in, it's really tempting for people who aren't actively involved in environmental issues and sustainable development and whatever, just to ask like, oh, do you think that we're going to be okay? Do you think we're going to make it? And I'm on that same page. I think that the amount of change that we need to be seeing on an immediate level, like on a daily level, we need to be making huge strides with switching to renewable energy, with carbon capture techniques. There's so much to be done and so much innovation to do if we do want to meet those goals. So it's definitely intimidating. It's really scary to say it, but I absolutely see where you're coming from because it adds a sense of urgency that like we really need to, again, be holding our governments accountable and be holding our academic institutions accountable for getting all of this research done and whatever it may be. And there's a lot of players that need to step up here. Exactly. Exactly. Not, not in the least um, the financial sector, for example, because the financial sector will be responsible for moving the trillions of dollars that it will take to make this change happen. So all sectors are involved. Everybody's involved. Laura, it's not about you, me, our government. It's everybody's business. I think that's a really important point to emphasize because it also really shows that there is a place for everyone to step up and be involved in this big environmental movement, in the structural change around our societies and how we're looking at our consumption and our actions every day. There really is a place for everyone to step up and do something that contributes to this. Exactly. I know that there's a lot of talk about what an individual can do. And I think that it's an important conversation to have because it starts with us, but we have to also hold our companies accountable because they produce the carbon emissions. So while we concentrate on us, we also have to see the bigger picture. It's a very comprehensive process that starts with us, but does not end with us. I completely agree. I could not agree more. And I would love to kind of take this opportunity to expand on the idea of the consumer and the individual actions that are really holding corporations accountable, holding governments accountable. And I would love to kind of talk to you a little bit about what an individual person can do to really support these sustainable development goals and really support these big strides that the globe is trying to make towards a healthier future. I will give you a simple answer. First of all, like I said before, get to know the agenda, get to know the SDGs and see where your passion is. There's 17 goals. What are you passionate about? Is it climate change? Is it sustainable cities? Is it gender equality? Is it life below water? Is it life on land? What are you passionate about? Let's say, for example, SDG 1, that you're passionate about the eradication of poverty. You could, for example, learn about the causes of poverty at home and abroad, share and donate what you can, buy from companies that pay people fairly, save, borrow, and invest responsibly, demand decent wages and opportunities for all. So there's many, many ways that people can get involved. There's something called the Good Life Goals, and it is a wonderful initiative, and it lays out 85 ways anyone can contribute towards the agenda, and the huge planet-changing objectives that sit at the heart of it. 
where can we find that? I would love to have that in the show notes so that people can look through these 85 options that they have essentially. Sure. It's called sdghub.com slash good life goals, all in one word. Okay. Awesome. I will make sure to have that in the show notes for anyone who wants to read more about it. And is there any like day-to-day things that maybe we should be looking out for in our consumption, in our habits that we can be more mindful about maybe to work towards the SDGs? I'm thinking a little bit about when you mentioned fair trade certified. I'm thinking about like if you're buying products that are from a local farmer or if you're buying products that are directly supporting some sort of great organization or whatever it may be, is there a way that people can be more mindful consumers? Definitely. Definitely. You have to know what you're buying and where you are buying it from, who's making it and how. I think that consumers have a lot of power, even more than before. And it's made uh, mainly thanks to social media. A company does something that is perceived as wrong and consumers have the power to make it go bankrupt. So we have to understand the power that we have and the power that we have to make positive change. Consider the value chains, who's involved, who makes what in everything you buy. Yes, I am totally on the same page of consumers having more power now than ever. And I'm a huge believer in just like, basic supply and demand. I mean, not that that's something to really believe in, but the idea that like, if we are demanding more vegan products, we're going to see them more in the grocery store. If we're demanding slow fashion, look at a company like Forever 21 that has just declared bankruptcy. And it's just interesting to see how these consumer concerns and how these sustainability concerns are really pushing the economy in a way that is really domino effect into like really positive change for everybody long term exactly and um also check what companies are involved in something called the united nations global compact because that is a way for companies to get involved with the agenda and the sdgs tell me a a little bit more about this global compact that sounds really enticing it's it is it's um actually a platform for corporate social responsibility or sustainability that um, was born in the year 2000. So it's been around for a little while. And it is the formal way for companies to get involved with the United Nations and with the agenda and the SDGs. So it's a platform for companies and also organizations who are concerned about sustainability and agree to 10 basic principles For example, when it comes to labor laws, fighting corruption, paying employees fairly, that kind of thing. Awesome. Thank you so much for explaining that because I can't wait to like look into some of the companies that I am regularly supporting and seeing this platform really advocating for certain practices. I think that's a really interesting thing. And I don't know why I haven't heard about that before. I think that the Global Compact was more popular in Europe before, but now it is a lot more global, especially after the adoption of the agenda and the SDGs. So it's definitely something to look towards. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. And Claudia, before we wrap up, do you have any final thoughts for the audience of how we can be better consumers, how we can support the sustainable development goals, how the 
consumer can really get involved in like long, big strides that are impacting the globe that the United Nations is working towards? That's a very good question, Laura. I think that the good thing about the 2030 Agenda for Sustainable Development is that it offers young people and young women many areas for collaboration and involvement. There is a great website called SDG Funders, which shows which organizations are doing what and where to achieve the SDGs and realize the agenda. Because as consumers, we're also people, and we are also people with passions and interests. So I would urge your your listeners to look into that and look where their passions lie, because it may be that they are interested in helping alleviate poverty in Africa or other parts of the world or even in the United States. So I guess it depends on who wants to do what. And there are thousands of options out there. And please know that people, individuals do make a difference. Look at Greta Thunberg from Sweden. She was at the UN Climate Summit in September and she made everybody think and think hard. So never underestimate the power of a person, a person with an idea and a person with a passion. I hope you really, really enjoyed that conversation with Claudia LaRue. Again, she is the first secretary to the Dominican Republic mission of the United Nations. I feel great after that talk. I hope you feel empowered and educated and really armed with some resources to better understand the sustainable development goals. This is definitely a topic that I want to dive more into in the future. And don't forget to connect with us on Instagram at EcoChicPodcast. And like I mentioned in the beginning of the episode, I would really appreciate if you checked out TotallyEcoChic.com, the spot for your chic sustainability supplies and podcast merch. I hope you have a really awesome day and I'll talk to you really soon.